0: All right, it's good to be with you this morning. Um, First, I want to say thanks uh, to Christ Central Presbyterian Church, because you've been partners with us for many, many years, supporting us. Um, We've had mentors and volunteers and donors from Christ Central, so it's really appreciated. And I think I want to reiterate how important it is, because a lot of organizations like Little Lights start out as a Christian organization, but over time become secular organizations because of lack of funding. And so Little Lights is committed to being a a Christian, Christ-centered organization, and we can't do that without the support of the Christian community, without the support of churches. And so I wanna thank Christ Central for being a a long-time partner uh, of Little Lights. If we could pull up the slides. So, we wanted to start with uh, just a little update on some of the things that Little Lights is doing. This is a picture of um, one of our students, Mark Keith. And so, Mark Heath, um, was somebody who was sort of inspired in some ways. Our uh, coll- our new college and career program, which started in 2021, and so during the pandemic, uh, you know, a staff member you know bumped into Mark Keith and realized that he had graduated high school but was sitting at home. With nothing to do. And what happened was, you know, he graduated during the pandemic. He didn't get enough support from his school, he, his parents were not able to support him adequately. And so he tried to figure out how to apply to colleges on his own. He, he couldn't figure it out. He couldn't figure out the financial aid. So he was, even though he had good enough to, grades to go to college, he was doing nothing at home. So our staff started working with him to help him with his FAFSA, help him with his financial aid forms, all, the entire college ed, uh, application process, which you know, also which all required the Internet. And, you know, a lot of our students do not have high-speed Internet at home. And so there's a lot of obstacles that our students face, and so we try to, like, remove those obstacles. And so we were able to help him to get in. He went to Morgan State University. But first semester, he, w- he realized he wasn't prepared. Like, school hadn't prepared him well enough. He wasn't uh, well prepared. So he had, like, a 1.5 GPA his first semester. But... But then he asked for help, and so we were able to provide extra tutoring using Zoom, uh, coaching him, making sure he met uh, different guidelines, and also like helping him overcome administrative hurdles as well, because that can also come. Um, and so by the time, with all the help and his willingness to receive the help, we, by the second semester of his sophomore year, he actually had a 4.0 GPA, So he made dramatic importance, because he was working hard, but he also had the support system to help him succeed. And so the college and career program has been really impactful. Now we have 15 college students that we're currently supporting, 11 of them we work with very closely, and pretty much all of them are going to college with little to no student debt. And so that's also a goal, because a lot of low-income students may start and get into college, but once they get in, they realize they're taking out all these loans, they can't stay in college. So they, even if they make it in, they often drop out because of lack of academic support or lack of finances to be able to actually graduate from college. So we try to remove all those bo- uh, obstacles and it's been a really impactful program. Go to The next slide. This, I think this is one of my favorite pictures of all time. This was taken a couple of weeks ago. Um, the young man on the right there, the young boy, his name is Mega. So this is Mega meeting his Christian mentor for the first time. Like, this is like the introductory meeting. And we've had, you know, a number of mentors come from Christ Central uh, as well. But he just, Mega is just so excited. You know, the sermon today is, is about delight. And you can just see the delight on his face, the excitement that he has, knowing that he's meeting a Christian mentor who's gonna care for him. They're gonna do fun things together and they're gonna build this you know, relationship. So Mega was super excited. I think it just captures um, just what Little Lights is about and what, what gives me motivation because I want to see these young kids who are often ignored and, and feel neglected to experience that joy, to, to know that they're valued. You can go to the next slide. But I also don't want to make it seem like it's just all joy and all happiness, you know, uh, in, in the ministry that we do. This is a picture of a young woman named Mykia. So she kind of grew up in our program in elementary into like early middle school, but then her family moved away. But just this past year, you know, we got the news and it was actually on the local news that Mykia was killed uh, by gun violence uh, last year, right before her 19th birthday, um, and, you know, recently there have been a couple of shootings at Potomac Gardens, you know, targeted shootings, one involving one of our former students as well, another one involving a brother of uh, one of our former staff. And so violent, gun violence, drug trafficking, I mean, it's just part of the reality that our students face on a day-in, day-out basis. So it really is a war and a battle for the future, for the souls of these young people that we have to fight every day, and we can't do it without the support of, of the faith community and the, the Christian community. You can you go to the next slide? So we definitely covet your prayers for uh, the ministry that we do. I'll read this again. This is verses 23, Jeremiah nine twenty three and 24. It says, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. So, you know, the prophet Jeremiah is, you know, writing this during a difficult time in Israel's history. The, you know, the Israelites are exiled, they're scattered, they've lost their homeland, they've lost Jerusalem, in many cases, they've lost everything, because they've lost their home, they're in exile, it's a difficult time, but God still challenges them to obey. God still challenges them to, um, to worship and, and criticizes them because they, they're not being obeyed, they're being stubborn. You can go to the next slide. Start with 23, it says, this is what the Lord says, let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. You know, the word boast here can, is can be translated also as praise or glory. And you know, you look at the words wisdom and strength and, and riches, like, these are not bad things in and of themselves, right? I mean, wisdom and knowledge and education, like these are things we value. Uh, or strength or having power, the ability to influence and having, having that kind of strength. Um, and also wealth, right? Our society, you know, values and seeks after wealth, and and, and wealth in itself is not necessarily a bad thing. But God is, when it's saying, you know, don't boast on these things, it's really about people trying to find their sense of identity and self-worth in these things. That that is something that God is warning against. And I really believe the core issue for, for human beings after the fall, right, after Adam and Eve, um, you know, ate the fruit and we experienced the fall, I really believe the core issue that human beings face is the feelings of insecurity, feelings of fear, feelings of fears of being inadequate. Um, and, you know, after Adam and Eve uh, ate the fruit, you, you remember that they had to wear clothes because they felt ashamed for the first time. And this is a result of sin, this feeling of shame, inadequacy, something really just wrong with me as a human being. And so out of that insecurity, we can try to chase after things to make us feel better about ourselves, make us feel like we're worth something, make us feel secure and less fearful. And I remember I, recently I watched this uh, stand-up comedian um, you know, he's talking, he's an Asian comedian, and he's talking about how his, like, his parents and all of his, like, cousins, parents, you know, he's, he was Chinese, like, they all like, wanted them to be a doctor, like, they all pressured them to, like, be a doctor, be a doctor, like, grow, growing up, and he joked about, like, and literally, like, he said, like, the last thing that they cared about was that we became doctors to help people right? Like, that was not the motivation why they wanted their kids to become doctors. And, you know, we all know this. It's like, it's to gain status, right? I mean, some level of wealth, but also definitely status, right? Uh, Because if you're a doctor in our society, it's like you're admired, respected, you're like seen as being successful. Um, And, you know, you have that kind of reputation. And so people are seeking that because they want that validation that I'm worth something, right? And if my kid is a doctor, then, you know, uh, I'm also worth something as a parent because my kid has succeeded. But God warns us not to place our trust and not to find our identity in these things. But he wants us to find our identity in our relationship with God, that these are idols that they can be, they're sort of good things that can be helpful, but can also be idols if we try to find our sense of self-worth in them. Can you go to the next slide? It says, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, right? God wants us to boast and find our identity in knowing God. And if we know God well, then we actually know ourselves, That it goes together. If we know God well, we actually know ourselves. And know how valuable we already are to God. That God's love is unconditional, not based on whether we succeed in something or make a lot of money. It's unconditional based on who we are. And that's what we should find boasting. And to really be able to find our identity, to really begin to gain a sense of security in God... Is an amazing thing. And there's a lot of us, we may know that God loves us sort of intellectually, but unless we experience that at a deep sort of feeling level, then we're not going to change. We're not going to gain that sense of security. We're not going to realize just how valued we already are. And if we don't gain that sense of security, we're gonna produce a lot of dysfunction in our lives because we are always acting out of insecurity. We're always acting out of fear. And like, I mean, you know, I'm the same way. It's a temptation for me all the time. You know, my kids are, are getting older. One's in college. One's about to go to college. And it's like, you know, I want good things for them. You know, and I've, I've asked them, like, do you have any desire to become a doctor you know, I'm like, just out of curiosity, I need to start to become a doctor, you know? <laughs> uh, they're like, no, <laughs> like, I don't like blood. I don't, you know, they probably don't wanna work with cadavers <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, you know, I, I've already given up, you know, it's not gonna happen. Uh, and I'm okay, you know, because you know what? Ultimately, I want them to find what it is that they feel like, you know, they can really contribute and help better the world or do what they're good at so that they can really make the world better and serve others better, um, I do want them to pay their bills eventually, but you know but you know hopefully they can do that, you know, as they're working. But 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 you know, I, I don't I don't have an illusion that like somehow if they become society successful, then they're gonna gain this sense of self-worth. Um, you can go to the next slide. And if you discover this sort of life-changing relationship, not just sort of intellectually believing that God loves me, and God forgives me, and God wants me to thrive, um, when you really have that deep connection with God and you see how much change it can produce in your life, you know, you understand a verse like this, Matthew 13:44. It says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. It's like we want to have that kind of deep relationship where it's like when you have it, you're like I would not trade anything for it because this produces real joy, real peace. Over time, it's not instantaneous. It's a process of change and repentance and growth and trusting in God. But you see the quality of your life change. You see your understanding of yourself change. And then you see, and you wouldn't trade it for anything. And the, so the, re, the reality of God in your life and the change that God is producing in your life has to become as real or in some ways more real than the, the money in your bank account. Because we all know when we have money in the bank account, it can do things. You can do things with it, right? You can go to on a nice vacation. You can pay for college. The reality of God's transformative work in your life has to be that real and even more real. Uh, and that's the kind of re- relationship that God wants to have with us He wants to change us from the inside out so that we can thrive and we can be liberated to really serve others and really serve our world. We're gonna go to the next slide. It says that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. So he lists three things that God really delights, and he gets really pumped and excited and uh, finds joy in kindness and justice and righteousness. And for some of us, it may be difficult to imagine God as just being full of delight, right? And maybe especially because, like, it might be coming from your, your family. Like, you never saw your parents because maybe they had a lot of stress from work. Maybe, I mean, a lot of our parents like went through a war right there's been a trauma and stress and so you may not have seen that kind of delight and joy maybe in, even in you right um, and so it's hard for us sometimes when we didn't get that as, as a child to ex- imagine God doing that now but that's this is what the Bible says God is a God of delight he has joy he, God has a full range of emotions it's not just, God is not just an intellectual concept or sort of a stoic figure from a distance, but God delights uh, in these things, and God delights in us because we are his children. Go to the next slide. And the word kindness here, the Hebrew word is hesed. It can be tra- translated as a loving kindness uh, or, or faithful love. We can go to the next slide. It's an incredible word. It's an incredible and beautiful word. It says like other Hebrew words, hesed is not a feeling but an action. It intervenes on behalf of loved ones and comes to their rescue. Because hesed is often active, it is translated as mercy or loving kindness. But neither of these words fully convey that hesed acts out of an unswerving loyalty, even to the most undeserving. It's a radical, hesed is a radical kind of love that God has, that God has for each and every one of us. I mean, it's so radical, right, that he sent his only son to die. That's how radical his hesed love, his unswerving loyalty is to us, even when we're least deserving. That's the kind of love that God delights in and God wants us to receive so that then we can also give to others. Go to the next slide. Psalm 89, 14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. So the w- words righteousness and justice in the Bible often go right together. Almost like, it's almost like hyphenated words. Uh, and it's the foundation to God's throne. This is where God gains his authority, is through not because he's powerful. Not because he has a lot of money. God gains his authority because of the righteous, his righteousness and justice. Go to the next slide. You can go to the next slide, yep. And look at, look at the word justice, mishpat. You can go to the next slide. This is the, that's the Hebrew word. And I think it's a really interesting word because I think we don't fully understand it often. Um, Mishpat—the meaning is a justly ordered society—is one of the foundational values of Judaism. The prophets railed against the absence of mishpat in the days of kings who abused their power. So mishpat is like the proper use of power. And for those of us as we get older, we may gain more power. You know, whether it's at our job or elsewhere. You know, maybe even in politics. Um, so the more power we get, the more responsibility we have to use it well and use it in service to others and use it with humility. And so Little Lights, we're not a huge organization, but at Little Lights, I know I have power. And I have to really guard my heart that, and I have to pray that I use power wisely and justly. Um, and so the use of power in the right way, God delights in because that's who God is. Bruce Walke, the theologian, says, The basic meaning of this word mishpat, justice, is to establish the heavenly norm or pattern on earth. Normally, this concept is applied to society, i.e. the bringing of society into the right order of, or arrangement. It's, God also cares about how governments function. That is, governments are supposed to function to benefit all people and also to protect the weakest people. So God wants governments to operate with the right kind of power so everyone can flourish, not just the most powerful and and wealthiest. Can you go to the next slide? I love this quote from Dr. King. It says, Power without love is reckless and abusive, and love without power is sentimental and anemic. Power at its best is love, implementing the demands of justice, and justice at its best is power, correcting everything that stands against love. And I really admire Dr. King because, you know, the civil rights movement was really based in the black church. And it's through the black church that the civil rights movement, Dr. King and other leaders and, and participants in the marches and protests helped to change unjust laws in the United States and unjust racial laws in the United States. And including uh, the Immigration Act of 1965, the Civil Rights Movement helped to change the Immigration Act, uh, to put into place the Immigration Act that basically undid explicitly racist immigration law in 1965. And so without that law being put into place, this church may not be here. Many of us may not be here because it's after that law was changed that uh, immigration from non-Northern European countries Started to grow in large numbers, and including Koreans and Chinese and other Asian Americans were able to come in larger numbers uh, for the first time in, since uh, in 1965. And so, a lot of our families came after 1965 because the civil rights people that helped to create a more just immigration system in the United States. So, we benefited from the work of other Christians and others who helped to create this justice in society. Go to the next slide. The way Tim Keller puts it, puts it is that God loves and defends those with the least economic and social power, and so should we. That is what it means to do justice. Looking out for the weakest in society. Go to the next one. Look at the word zedek um, or righteousness. Go to the next slide. And you know, again, righteousness is like. We hear the word, but then it's hard because it's not used in our normal English language. Sometimes it's hard to really get a grasp on what righteousness means, even though the Bible says it's the foundation of God's throne. And this is one way to describe it, and Bobby referred to this already. The righteous are willing to disadvantage themselves to advantage the community. The wicked are willing to disadvantage the community to advantage themselves. And I loved how Bobby, with a smile on his face, is like, Telling us not to be leeches, right? <laughs> it says righteousness is a pattern of life, not merely specific acts. What is at stake is personhood, not merely performance. Disposition rather than mere deeds. Character behind and beyond conduct. God wants to develop righteousness. He delights in righteousness being growing that our character changing, that we become more Christ-like, more compassionate, more just, more humble. This is what delights God. He wants us to grow in character and righteousness. The next slide. It says righteousness refers to the moral quality that establishes right order and refers to the moral quality that restores order, uh, that order when they are disturbed. This is Bruce Walkey. So, righteous person who's one who deeply cares for the community and takes action for the betterment and the well-being of the community. Okay, next slide. It says, generally, the righteous man in Israel was the man who preserved the peace and wholeness of the community. You know, righteousness is very much a communal word because it was he who preserved, fulfilled the demands of communal living. Like Job, he was a blessing to his contemporaries. He cared for the poor, the fatherless, the widow, even defending their cause in the law court. He was a good steward of his land and work animal. He lived at peace with his neighbors, wishing them only good. So this is a man of deep character, compassion, even treating his animals well. Um, You know, it's a man of peace. Like this is the this is what a righteous person was in Israel. The next slide says, he upheld the physical and psychical wholeness of his community by fulfilling fulfilling the demands of the communal covenant relationship. It's a very conscientious person, right? And so some of us may have grown up in a more kind of a legalistic understanding of Christianity, like the, the more Bible verses you memorize, you know, made you more righteous, or the more you read the Bible made you more righteous, but unless reading the Bible or memorizing verses is changing and conforming our character to be more Christ-like, it doesn't. It's not really beneficial. It's not leading to true righteousness. So we have to move beyond that superficial kind of righteousness to a deeper understanding of righteousness. Go to the next slide. As I'm going to close up, I'm going to just re-read the verses again. I hope you meditate on these verses, you know, after this service. It says, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have an understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. So, God is challenging us uh, to let go of our idols. Stop trying to find our security in, in education and wealth and power and influence. He wants us to find our security in the Hesiod love of God, to know that God, who is just, who is righteous, loves us with an unconditional, deep, unwavering loyalty to us even when we're the least deserving and know that God delights in this. God delights when we know him. God delights when we are conformed to the image of Christ. In these things, God delights and finds joy. I'm gonna close us out with this prayer. I'll go to the next slide. So pray this with me. It's a prayer for justice. It says, grant us, Lord God, a vision of your world as you would have as your love would have it. A world where the weak are protected and none go hungry or poor. A world where the riches of creation are shared and everyone can enjoy them. A world where different races and cultures live in harmony and mutual respect. A world where peace is built with justice and justice is guided by love. Give us the inspiration and courage to build it through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. meals. There we go.